Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we have been reading the book of Ruth together over the last few weeks. It is a, uh, a multi-layered story about the kind of love that God shows to people like us and the kind of love that he grows in people like us. Uh, the widows, Naomi and Ruth, have returned uh, to Bethlehem as a small, unlikely family in trouble. And on her first day there, Ruth went out to the fields around the city to glean so that hopefully she could uh, scrape together uh, enough food for the two of them to eat, maybe for a couple of days. But she was met with a welcome from a man named Boaz um, that was overwhelming beyond any reasonable expectation. So I'm going to read the next part of the story for us. I'll read Ruth 2, uh, 17 through 3, 1. We have a little bit more than that printed, but we're just going to talk about the first verse of 3 this week. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over from being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you would use this word that we have read and heard together to meet us in the places we find ourselves this morning, those of us who have faith and those of us who don't, those of us who feel ready to hear from you, those of us who don't, those of us who aren't sure what it is that we feel at all. Meet us and show us your grace in Jesus and change us by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, so uh, about a year or so uh, after Allison and I got married, uh, we got a notice in the mail. It was a traffic ticket from the city of Chicago, and it was for Allison. And uh, the fine attached to it was many hundreds of dollars. Uh, it was also a uh, complete surprise to us. As far as we know, uh, she hadn't been issued any tickets. So we made some phone calls, and we ended up in a city office in the loop that looked just like you expect a place like that to look. It was gray, with long lines of grumpy people, 
uh, waiting to talk to intimidating clerks. So we made it to the front. We handed the notice over to the woman uh, who was behind the counter. And she took a minute to uh, inspect it. And then she looked kind of over the top of her glasses at Allison, and she smiled. And she told us that the ticket was for drag racing. <laughs> and just as Allison started to explain to her that drag racing really wasn't her thing, the woman disappeared from behind the counter. And a few seconds later, a door opened along the side, and she was there, and she asked us to come in and follow her. She led us through a labyrinth of people working at desks and took us to another floor through another labyrinth of desks, took us up to uh, someone sitting at a desk, and she said something like this to that person, take care of this, she's not a drag racer. <laughs> and within a second, our problem was taken care of. It was gone. It was a pretty amazing thing. Uh, I've never experienced anything quite like it uh, before then or since then. Rather uh, than this clerk giving us advice on how to take care of our problem or more likely sending us to another line in order to take care of our problem, she made our problem her problem. And she took care of it. When Naomi calls Boaz one of their redeemers, this is what she means. A redeemer doesn't simply offer benevolence or advice or prayer. Those are all great things. Those are all things that are needed. But a redeemer does more. A redeemer makes someone else's problems their problems and then takes care of them. And this is sometimes, church, the shape that our love is called to take in this broken world. And it is precisely the shape of God's love for us. So Boaz has been incredibly generous with Ruth and, and the result is really remarkable. In verse 17, the storyteller tells us that she gleaned until evening and then she beat out all that she had, had gleaned and the result was that she was left with about an ephah of barley. I know we have no idea what an ephah of barley is, but as I was reading about it this week, one writer gave a pretty good description of it. Um, they said that it was uh, about the amount of uh, carry-on baggage allowance when you fly. So assuming any of us um, can remember what it's like to fly somewhere, that's a lot of grain. It was probably two weeks' worth of grain for a couple people. And that is uh, why... Naomi is so animated when she sees it. She asks, you know, where did you, where did you glean today? Where, where did you work? She, she wonders about this person who took notice of her. It is an overwhelming moment to her, and given all that's happened to these two so far in the story, when you get to this part in the story, you can feel almost how great this feels to them. So church, it's important for us to remember um, that this is not only the result of Boaz's generosity and welcome. This moment was possible first because of Ruth's tear-streaked decision on the road outside of Moab that day. 
She had chosen to leave her own people. She had cho chosen to leave whatever protection her clan might have been able to offer to her. And she had chosen to stick with Naomi. Do you remember that? She says, where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And where you die, there I will die and be buried. <laughs> Ruth hadn't only said those words, she had done those words. And that morning had vulnerably waded out alone into the unknown to give her words the shape of real love. You might remember Naomi's response um, when Naomi, when, when Ruth pledged herself to her on the road, you might remember her response really was just resignation. I'm not going to argue with you anymore, Ruth, whatever. God might deal kindly with some people, but he doesn't deal kindly with me. His hand is stretched out against me. He has dealt bitterly with me. And we ask at the time, you know, will Naomi be able to eventually see? Will she be able to eventually see that, that perhaps Ruth was the beginning of God's answer to Naomi's lament? That maybe Ruth was the way that God was going to deal kindly with her? I mean, Boaz saw it. <laughs> Boaz connected the dots. You remember that last week? He, he said, look, my welcome of you is only God's welcome of you. You've come to seek refuge under the wings of God, and he has met you here. But will Naomi see? And I think that's a good reminder to us, church, to people like you and me, first of our own role as those who offer refuge in God's name. The church, you know, both institutionally and individually has been called to offer safety, to offer welcome as an extension of God's refuge. And what we do, we do in his name. And of course it's possible, and it's even probable, <laughs> that we might do that, and the other that we are welcoming won't entirely see. We may be taken advantage of. We may be overlooked. There is no small measure of animosity against the church from some corners of our culture. But these can't be impediments to us any more than they were to Ruth. You and I, we wade out in faith and we follow after Jesus and we offer the welcome and refuge of God. As for Naomi though, in this moment, you can kind of feel that that breeze of kind inevitability has started to stir things up. Maybe her eyes are opening, and that's at least in part to finding out where Ruth had been the whole day. I mean, Ruth has no idea really who this guy is. She just says, the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And immediately, immediately on hearing that, Naomi begins to pour out blessing. The bitterness uh, begins to thaw into the lovely. May he be blessed by the Lord who has not forsaken the living and the dead. This kindness he has shown has not forsaken the living 
and the dead. And there's that word again, kindness. It's a word we've heard Naomi use before. She used that word kindness when she invoked blessing on her daughters, when she, her daughters-in-law when she said, you should leave me. It's that Hebrew word that encapsulates grace and love and mercy and benevolence and loyalty and faithfulness. It's the word scripture writers often use to refer to God's self-giving, faithful love for people like us. And I, and I really love the ambiguity in the blessing that Naomi gives. I mean, is it a blessing on Boaz for his kindness from God? Is it a, a blessing to God for his kindness? Or is it both? That beautiful ambiguity captures the multi-layered way that love works for people like us. As we are loved by God, we reflect the love of God out into the world. The love of God calls out our love. And I think Naomi has begun to see what it is that God is doing. She tells Ruth, Boaz is a close relative. He's one of our redeemers. A redeemer in the sense that she's using it was someone outside of your immediate household who could, if they had the means to and if they wanted to, they could take responsibility for your household if there was trouble for your household. They might buy land for you if you fell behind enough to be threatened to lose it. They might take in family members who are otherwise unattached and unprotected. They might buy you out of servitude. They might buy your freedom if you had fallen into servitude to make up for a debt. They got you out of peril. They made you whole. They freed you. They made your problems their problems. And then they took care of it. Jesus told a story um, about an unlikely redeemer in that gospel lesson that Mark read for us this morning. That Samaritan man took responsibility for the guy who had been beaten and left half dead. He dressed his wounds. He took him to refuge. He paid for his care while he was in that refuge. And he made arrangements to take care of absolutely everything that would be required while that man healed. If he hadn't done that, that guy would be dead. He made that his problem. And he took care of it, a redeemer. So church, it shouldn't be any surprise to us at all, and I'm, I'm sure that it isn't any surprise to us at all, that even before he was born, old Zachariah was singing that Jesus would be the one to redeem his people. And the pages of the New Testament are filled with that song again and again and again. It is Jesus who redeems us. At great cost to himself, he takes our deep and grievous problems and makes them his. He takes our sin and rebellion on his back and he buys us the freedom of forgiveness, paving the way for our restoration into the people that we were created to be. He takes the fallenness of the whole world on his back 
paving the way for the reconciliation of all things to God. Jesus is our redeemer. That is the shape of his love for us. And his love always calls out our love. It is his love that empowers us to be however small, however imperfect, however tiny. It's his love that empowers us to be redeemers in the places where he has put us. If we follow him, we have been remade to look like him and to love like him. Church, this is what we have been made for. And you know, I think that we can see it beginning to happen to Naomi, this very thing. That love that has been called out begins to take shape in her own life. Six or seven happy weeks passed for the barley and wheat harvests. And nearing the end of those harvests, Naomi is finally able to see past herself, past even her own death, to the future of her daughter Ruth. And she says, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? <laughs> that it may be well with you? Love has called out love. How will it work out? <laughs> we will see. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that now you, you would help us to see the shape of your love for us in Jesus, our Redeemer. And that you would show us clearly how much you have loved us so that we would know the depth of it, so that we would experience the depth of that love and be remade by it. And Father, so that we would in turn be able to wisely think out and to pray out the ways that we can function as redeemers. We can't change everything in this world. Help us to give up on that thought. <laughs> but give us the wisdom to see where we can take problems and make them ours and care for them in your name. In your name. Father, do this for the love of this broken world. And we prayed in Christ's name. Amen.